Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. Today is Thursday, May 31st, 2018. I'm Jim Swift, hosting for Charlie Sykes, who is off today. I'm joined by Bill Crystal, uh, the editor-at-large and founder of the Weekly Standard, and Stephen Hayes, the editor-in-chief. Gentlemen. Good to be with you. Hey, Jim. So, Stephen Hayes, you're a big Capitals fan, and uh, last night was a big night in their first Stanley Cup in, what was it, 20 years? Uh, yes. Why don't you uh, guide us through how the, how the night went for you? Well, it's a, it was a good win. I mean, the Caps don't have many Stanley Stanley Cup wins. Um, I, I went to either one or two of the losses uh, in the sweep in 1998 when we lost to the Red Wings. So this is a good win. Um, there was the, perhaps the save of the franchise uh, made by Braden Holpe with two minutes left, I think just under two minutes left, uh, where he robbed one of the uh, Vegas Knights forwards of a goal and preserved the victory. So it was a big night for, for me. I, I did not... Uh, I was not out celebrating. I was not at a bar. I was at home with the rest of my family trying to stay awake, and I was yelling in my living room by myself. I was watching at home, and I'm not a huge hockey fan at all, but it was a pretty exci- very exciting game and a really a amazing save there in the, the last two minutes. And mostly I was thinking if they tied it up, We'd have to put out the print magazine today without Steve Hayes here, which is doable. I mean, Richard Starr, Robert Messenger, others can do the hard work, but it would have been, of course, a problem. You know, a bit of a wouldn't have been as exciting to have Steve, you know, comatose on his uh, on his couch there at home after the Caps blow a lead with two minutes left, and they would have presumably lost in overtime to the. Vegas team at home, so that would have been traumatic. The magazine would have been a better product without my meddling, obviously. Uh, no, and, and since I since I don't don't do that much anyway. But it was look, it was if if you're a Caps fan, this is this is a big moment. I mean, to have the the team finally win a game. This is a team that is not nearly as talented as the Caps teams of the past four or five years. Um, certainly not last year's team, but that seems to gel in a way that other teams haven't. Um, so. Yeah, it's ironic. So they're less talented, but they make the finals, which none of those teams did. Right. right, exactly. And now they've won a game in the finals, which I think the Cavs maybe had never done Correct. as a franchise. Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. so Steve's entitled to, as soon as we finish this podcast, go out and have a few celebratory martinis at one of those fancy martinis. bars, he's ha- fancy lounges he hangs out at and here in D.C. inside the Beltway. I can, going, I, I can see Steve going to you know Chinatown to pick up tickets, you know, try and try and find someone selling Game 3 tickets. Well, Do you I'm, have I'm, tickets? I'm on Eddie? the prowl. Uh, I don't. I, I'm part of a season ticket group, but... I've gone to so few games that I don't really have much no. of, of, a, of a claim on any of the tickets. So I'm hoping to scrounge up some tickets if there are uh, podcast listeners who know, <laughs> know of anybody's <laughs> tickets. I'm not too proud to, uh, to take them that way. Yeah, email email all caps at weeklystandard.com <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, we'll make we, we can uh, trade you a lifetime subscription or something yeah, at uh, least for, uh, <laughs> for, for tickets. Uh, well, big news today, uh, of course, uh, with President Trump uh, this morning uh, tweeting that he is pardoning a conservative author and um, uh, writer Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, this pardon and and kind of? Uh, you know, this is the second, I guess, third high-profile pardon that President Trump has issued. Um, where does it fall, and what, what does it mean? Well, I mean, I think the the, the Scooter Libby um, pardon was was justified and, and overdue. The Joe Arpaio pardon it seems to me was silly. Um, th- this one, I think, is is probably intended to send a message. Um, you know, it. it stand with with President Trump and and make his arguments and he'll take care of you. Of course, all of this has to be seen in the context of the Mueller investigation. And I think 
President Trump is in the business of, of sending messages. Some of these uh, folks that he's pardoned uh, have been, um, uh, he would say, victims of, of James Comey or overzealous prosecutors. Um, and he's apparently considering some other high-profile um, pardons as well. Yeah, I mean, I was in the first Bush White House, George H.W. Bush, and uh, the president pardoned a bunch of people right around Christmas. I was tangentially involved in that. Vice President Quayle was a strong advocate for the pardons, and I think they were justified. But I remember at the time, and I'm curious to see how this uh, compares to this current situation. I mean, there was a lot of paperwork that we had to – the people who were seeking pardons had to put in, obviously, letters and you know make a case for themselves. Just people in the Department of Justice, career people, uh, had to review it and make sure it was plausible to, that it was justified. I think there was an original larger list. This has been reported, I believe, subsequently, which then was winnowed down to the pardons that were given by President Bush. I think it was on Christmas Eve of 1992. So that was a, the system. You know, the president has the right to pardon, and I think he should use that right to some degree for you know, to rectify injustices uh, and to well to rectify injustices. Basically, uh, be interesting to see whether there's any of that legwork was done here to make sure this was legitimate and not just that. Dinesh D'Souza has been an active supporter of President Trump on Twitter. Uh, I believe the case has been made for him. I think his wife maybe has been on Fox some, making them. Maybe he's been on Fox too, for all I know, making the case for him. Certainly, third parties have been. I guess it's been reported that Ted Cruz made the made the case for uh, for, for for D'Souza. So, you know, it's. I would say there's some distinction. You know, you can have a right to do something as president, and this gets to a lot of other issues with Trump too, firing people and so forth, uh, firing the Attorney General, and they have a right to do something. But there's a way to exercise that, that right that may be controversial, Bush's pardons were, but that are you know, appropriate, I would say, and in keeping with the spirit of the way the government should work and respects various norms and lets people weigh in and make sure it's been considered by not just you personally sitting watching Fox one night and being you know, appealed to by something that strikes your sympathies. There's one way to do it, and then there's another way to do it. I'd be curious to see, and we, we just heard about this in the last hour or two, what, what the reporting suggests about whether there was any backup to this. And now there's talk about Trump. What he's, I guess he himself tweeted, is that right, that he was considering? He said on Air Force One that he was it. considering pardoning Blagojevich, the former governor of Illinois, and Martha Stewart. Or, excuse me, commuting Blagojevich's sentence and pardoning Stewart, is according to the reporting. So, again, it'll be interesting to see whether this is based on anything more than that he's, you know, sort of seen sympathetic accounts of them. He was in Nashville. Now, Steve, you probably know this. Some of you guys might know the details of this better than I do. I didn't follow that. But he, there was a case, I believe, the sympathetic, genuinely sympathetic case, where there were people saying, why don't you take the occasion of Nash uh, being in Nashville of pardoning someone? And he didn't last night. Is that right? It is right. I, I don't know the details of, of the case, but certainly a lot of people have made the argument um, that I think it's, it's um, Matthew. I'm forgetting the name. Um, well, people could look it up, but anyway, it's not as if he's. I mean, you, if he care, if he thinks there've been a lot of injustices done by prosecutors over the years, which isn't a crazy point of view, you know, he runs the federal government. He can ask the Justice Department or the White House Counsel's Office to review a whole bunch of cases like this. It really shouldn't be driven simply by someone he's heard of or who's tweeted nice things about him. Yeah, it was uh, Matthew Charles was a gentleman who was released from prison, and then due to some some reason, he was forced to go back to prison. Right. When he seemed like he had 
paid spent a lot of time in prison and was now living a very upstanding life and you know I think people locally there not as a political matter but I mean local you know law enforcement and mayors thought you know he was there was not much it was sort of a weird fluke that he was being sent back yeah and I think Kim Kardashian who as we all know um, was in the Oval Office yesterday talking about uh, prison reform and and sentencing reform and I, 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 I think she's tweeted about that too I expect that might have been part of it so who knows maybe on the the back of a contra- a controversial Dinesh D'Souza pardon, you know, maybe that will uh, change the news cycle. Because a lot of it is about just dominating the news cycle. Um, you know, no, no one's really talking about Spygate now, are they? Yeah, but I, I want to make, with Steve's point about sending a signal, I think that's very true. I thought that was true with Arpaio. I think it was true with Scooter Libby, which we had editorialized in favor of a pardon 10 years ago, so I was in favor of it. But um, there's just no question that Trump has thought about this, I believe, and that if he wants Manafort, Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen, uh, Roger Stone, maybe if he gets indicted, not to flip, uh, he, he doesn't have to pardon them right away. He, they have to believe that they may go through some very some unpleasantness, some legal fees, maybe even a trial, but that at the end of the day, there, there's a guy there who's going to pardon them. And I think he's very consciously sent that signal. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, since everyone's talking about the pardons, not much is being said about the on-again, off-again summit with uh, North Korea, despite the fact that North Korea's spy leader uh, is, is here in the United States right now. Um, you know, we've written extensively and editorialized about um, the kind of, uh, I don't know, haste uh, by which some Republicans are calling for President uh, Trump to get a Nobel Peace Prize, and have, we've urged caution on that. Um, I, I think our reporting and our opinion writing is, is, is certainly... Um, aged well. Uh, but Steve, what do, you, what do you think and what is the, the latest with this? Well, I mean, it, it, it's an interesting moment. You want to be careful not to, to, to um, make too many judgments about where this will end up because there's so much we don't know. And it does seem to be, this does, the president seems to be making these decisions on an ad hoc basis. It doesn't seem to be terribly well planned out. The, 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 the letter that he sent suspending the June 12th summit seems to have been inoperative like the next day um, then all the discussion the White House was saying this could still happen and the president was saying nice words about Kim Jong-un um, there was this dispute about whether the White House folks thought it was possible or White House staff thought it was possible or not the president apparently thought it was still possible and now there's planning taking place for this June 12th summit the president made news uh, writing a letter about uh, having canceled so I think the concern is you 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 don't want the White House to be too fully invested in the diplomacy itself or in an unlikely outcome because it could lead them to make bad decisions in pursuit of you know something historic. And we had a, a State Department official tell Michelle Kaczynski from CNN talking about the North Korea talks said, quote, we are looking for something historic. We are looking for something that has never been done before. I think that's precisely the, the wrong way to enter talks like this. The right way to enter talks like this is there's been 30 years of North Korean duplicity. The, the goal of the regime is self-preservation and a nuclear program. It's almost inconceivable that they would walk away from what's been a regime goal for some three decades. And we're willing to take what we can get uh, towards denuclearization if we can get something verifiable. But the likelihood of something historic 
is vanishingly small. And I and you worry that I mean this happened I think with Condoleezza Rice in the Bush administration. It happened with Wendy Sherman in the Clinton administration. Um, you worry that if if you go in and diplomacy itself is the end goal, or you have expectations that are totally inconsistent with the behavior of the regime, you're likely to make a bad deal. And that, I think, is the the most concerning part of the way that the administration is approaching this. Now, having said all that, there are two reasons to think that the administration will be more realistic. John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. Um, both of them, I think, very realistic about the regime's history, about the regime's goals, about the regime's intent here, uh, and, and hopefully sitting on either side of President Trump as he's making these decisions. I totally agree. The only thing I'd add is, uh, I mean, I think one way to judge is from the outside, since obviously there's a lot of rhetoric and maybe one shouldn't overreact, to, especially with Trump, to everything he says or tweets, but um, or some other officials do, but... I mean, let's just see. It seems to me you can relieve some sanctions in return for actual progress on denuclearization or other things, and you know, which is sort of verifiable and monitorable and and visible. Um, I, I would be very nervous if suddenly we're releasing, we're we're letting up sanctions in return for promises. And that, I think that's sort of an easy. Not, I mean, there is a gray area, I suppose, in between those in a way. But we can always quarrel about, as we did in the Iran deal, is it really verifiable, and how big a concession is it? But there is a difference between actual concessions, where nuclear weapons that did exist don't exist, or missiles that did exist are being destroyed, or we are visiting places we couldn't visit before. Those are actual things, as opposed to the North Koreans saying something. So one of the things President Trump kind of craves other than, you know, attention, and he really revels, of course, in his kind of trolling and whatnot, but uh, he, he seems to really crave respect. And one of the things that struck me is uh, with this North Korea meeting, and as it was announced, a lot of uh, the president's critics were impressed and, you know, expressed some uh, support and hope for uh, all of this and thinking it was a good thing. And, uh, you know, you also saw how the coverage of the hostages being returned um, the imprisoned Americans um, uh, from South Korea. Do you think that with this sort of willingness to just make history, it's that President Trump has seen some of his bigger critics, you know, on, in the left and in the mainstream media, um, you know, express hope and optimism for all of this, that that, that is sort of uh, winning at any cost? I mean, is, is that kind of pers- the, the worry of, of, of his pursuit? Yeah, I mean, that's that's my worry. I mean, we've seen him, um, we've seen him claim premature victories in the past. We've, I wrote about this in a column uh, maybe a month ago. You know, remember, he had the, the Rose Garden ceremony after the House of Representatives passed the sort of crummy Obamacare repeal light bill and a jazz band. And, you know, the president said that Obamacare was for all intents and purposes dead. Yes, the Senate had to pass it, but this was a, a victory. It wasn't a victory. It didn't happen. We've seen this with ISIS, I think. The president uh, consistently touting the defeat of ISIS or the near defeat of ISIS. I mean, they're using, in some cases, almost the exact same language that we heard from the Obama administration in discussion of al-Qaeda. Those kinds of premature victories, I think, are problematic in and of themselves, but they're also problematic in, in terms of what they incentivize. The president said uh, in a tweet uh, three weeks ago that Kim Jong-un had, quote, agreed to denuclearize, unquote. He hadn't. There had been no such agreement as we're seeing 
today. And my concern is you get the president in a meeting such as that and the kinds of steps that, that Bill, I think, outlines correctly uh, being the objectives of, of this kind of a meeting are – will he stick to that if he's sitting across from Kim Jong-un and he's got and, – and, and he's got in his head this idea of making an historic deal and, and a victory and having his critics praise him for something. That's my concern. I mean the president – declares victory because there's some paper deal because of some promises that Kim Jong-un and the regime have made, promises they've never kept in 30 years. And then his incentive becomes maintaining the victory rather than enforcing the terms of the deal. And that I think that's a, that is my main concern uh, as we talk about at least the diplom- diplomatic aspects of this. Well, you know, whatever he's doing uh, to, to his most ardent supporters, he's, he's winning, even if he's losing. He's, you know, it's always part of a, a, a three-dimensional uh, a chess game where the president can never be wrong. Uh, well, gentlemen, thanks for joining me uh, today on the Daily Standard podcast. Uh, Charlie Sykes will return uh, as host tomorrow, and uh, we'll do this again. 